thrilled to have on the Rich Eisen Podcast, Bruce Dern. Jack Youngblood is now joining us. Bruce, you need to write a book. I did write. I wrote one that was out six years ago. Where were you, prick? Why didn't you buy it? (laughs) (laughs) Colin Hanks. Whenever they cut to the coach, we talk about what kind of stepfather that head coach is. Harbaugh is the one that in one second, he's talking to you. Hey, man, what's up? What you doing? No, not much. I'm just thinking about you. You're what? <laughs> he is Jerry Seinfeld. My youngest is eight. He had some friends over this weekend. They were trying to explain to him what I do. And I said, just imagine your job is you go into class and you stand up in front of the kids and you make a fart sound and everybody gives you a quarter. They go, that's my job. <laughs> Sitting here in studio, Vince Gilligan, there is one loose end that you did not tie oh, up. Okay. okay. Oh, I know what it is. Yeah. It's Huel. I think Huel could be anywhere you want him. Huel is a state of mind, really. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Hey, everybody, welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast. Closing in on two weeks until the NFL Draft in 2014, May 8th, the night of Thursday, May 8th in Radio City Music Hall, uh, two weeks usually after this coming Thursday, which is when the draft normally would be. An extra two weeks that feels like it's never going to come. Same thing with the 2014 NFL schedule. Yeah. Sort of in the same boat. Good to see both Chris's here. Chris Law, good to see you. Rich, good to see you as well. Rocking a Philadelphia Phillies hat. Yes, going to the game tonight. They're in town. Dodger Stadium. Yeah, got to go see my Phils. In for a four-game set. The rebirth of Ryan Howard and Chase Utley, Chase Utley. behind the, a Hall of Famer Chicago Cub, your manager. Pretty interesting bedfellows going on in Philadelphia. Look, Cliff Lee last night, Monday, we're taping this on a Tuesday, 7-0. Yeah. Seven, uh, seven nice know. win last night. I know. They got to get Cliff Lee some help, though. Meanwhile, a, uh, a, a thankfully... Um, Immaculate, pristine uh, marathon sun uh, Monday in uh, Boston this past week. It was pretty great, Rich. Good to see you, Chris Brockman. Good to see you guys. Boston strong. My uh, <clears throat> my niece, Susie's brother's youngest daughter, okay, waving a flag on the uh, on the route of the Boston Marathon made uh, the. The piece on Brian Williams, NBC. Oh, Nightly really? News. That's amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. She's an adorable little blonde head blonde-haired girl, and she was waving a Boston Strong flag. I got a call from Massachusetts saying, "Got a, you got a TiVo, uh, or I guess that's a that's that's a that's a passe verb. Yeah, that's a verb. It's like it's like band-aid. It's like putting on a band-aid or or a Xerox, right? But it's you don't TiVo anymore. No, you DVR, Rich. Yeah, so DVR. But Brian Williams is season passed in our household. But at any rate, so. And I guess, you know, we're in. This is the silly season. We're waiting two weeks. We're talking instead about the Eagles, about the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, the Red Sox and Yankees start a three game set right. this evening. This is, this is going to be fun. <laughs> you too. Well, well, I saw you a stat. Too. I saw, he is, what, what stat is this? Here's an Elias stat. 
It's Red a, Sox are nine and eleven. I know. I, I just they saw have this never step. made the never playoffs made the in a playoffs. season in which they're under five hundred right, through twenty games. I just got done reading that. It's April twenty second. This guy is texting me all the time. <laughs> I saw recently. Rich, I saw Rich all yesterday. the time about about oh their offense is terrible. Are you worried yet? All I do is write back with the, with the day's date. I saw him yesterday, April, and he April was 8. talking smack on the Red Sox to me about you. <laughs> it was great. Oh yeah. That's what a rivalry's all about. It's all about Red Sox offense struggling. That's what it's all about. <laughs> and again, we're in between. Uh, we're in the right. silly seat. That's, that's right. this two weeks. This extra two weeks is driving me a little nuts. Well, it's like it's like Game of Thrones. Rich winter is coming. The, <laughs> the draft, draft is coming. Is it's, coming. It's going to come. You know, and the, and the night is full of terrors. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> right. You never know what's going to happen on a draft night. Uh, this week, Clowney and Manzel each visited the Houston Texans, and apparently, from certain reports, it was at the same time. That yeah. Rick Smith went out with Clowney to dinner. The general manager went out with Clowney to dinner. And the the head coach, Bill O'Brien, and the offensive staff went to dinner with Manziel. Oh, well, we saw it when they were with the Jaguars, McCarron and Clowney at the same time with the Jaguars. They met in the hallway, and there was a fun little video. Of so, a meeting in the hallway. Yeah. So Houston's going to be on the clock, and I think that that's the, those are the two choices that they're going to do. For Houston? Yeah. Now, they could surprise us and go Bortles or even su- shock everybody and go Bridgewater, which would blow everything up because, as you heard on the last podcast, with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks saying that there is zero buzz on Teddy Bridgewater. Right. He seems to be the guy who's falling the most. But right he's now. also a top more draft experts, quarterback draft boards. Yeah, he's um, Mayock Mayock has him as third, but like Kuyper has him as his number one quarterback. DJ and Bucky have them as his number one, but they have him being drafted 26th. Last last. of the top three. And there is even talk that that Derek Carr, right? I got it right this time, correct? That Derek Carr might even hop above Bridgewater. Right. This is that season, though, where everyone's is just... It, is it the extra two weeks? Just throwing out garbage the extra and BS. Two weeks? It really is. Because like you said, we normally would be two days away from all this, we and would. I don't think you would be hearing this, is there, this type of is nonsense. Is there any chance Houston trades down? Of course there's a chance out. of that. Of course there's a chance of that. If they don't like either of the two dinner dates. Yeah. Because you know somebody's going to... If they're not in... If they, if, if they, like, say, like Khalil Mack better than Clowney. Somebody who's sitting there at five, six, or seven wouldn't want to trade up if you right. call him as you want Clowney. Which a friend of Rick Smith supposedly said this week that they like Khalil Mack better than right Clowney and Peter. Well, what King about the what about that. the Raiders now? They trade away Terrell Pryor. Are they going to put it in the the keys McGloin. in the hands of your boy McGoin, or does that set up to take a quarterback or man? No, it's Shobbs. Oh, they got Shobbs too. Got Shob. Don't forget Matt Shobby. You, you know, as Maurice Jones Drew says, a Super Bowl potential quarterback right right four games in a row with a pick six yeah as uh that's part of the news this week as well a seventh round choice of the seattle seahawks going to oakland for terrell Pryor. third round supplemental was that correct right tp went third, i thought he was a fifth third round in the supplemental I, I thought. no it was third round yeah third round in the well, supplemental was, i think draft. that was that was the final draft choice of al davis right yeah mm. you might, i yeah, think he made that choice shortly before he passed and it was after the regular draft because Correct. he was then. Yeah, no, it was a supplemental suspended. draft choice. Yeah. That's part of the news this week. Also part of the news this week, silly season stuff that um, Peyton Manning 
was uh, on the campus at Tuscaloosa along with Adam Gase, his offensive coordinator at the same time. Now, normally you'd think, okay, Peyton's working out with his offensive coordinator and they're getting together on the same page. Maybe they're picking the brain of Nick Saban together and trying to move the offense forward to a point where they won't have trouble against a defense like Seattle, although most teams usually do. Yeah. And that makes sense, right? Because that's what professional football teams do is they meet in the offseason. They get together off campus, if you will, even though it was on campus in Tuscaloosa. They go ahead and you 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 get on the same page outside of the meeting room. If you can, you work out. But in the new collective bargaining agreement world of the National Football League, before the offseason workout program officially begins, as it did this week for Denver, you are not allowed to be a coach and a player in the same spot talking football with each other. Can't do it. And so what's read, if you just heard this story, coach and quarterback on a college campus meeting against the rules, it sounds like a college football story. Yeah. Yep, It's an NFL story. Now, Peyton Manning and Adam Gase were saying that they happened to be on the campus for separate reasons. And of all the stories that you'd never think would be talked about two weeks before the draft, Nick Saban as cover for Peyton Manning to (laughs) circumvent the NFL rules by meeting his offensive coordinator prior to the start of offseason workout conditioning. That would not be at the top of the list. No. You couldn't even make that up for a movie script or anything. That's so bizarre. We'll talk about all of it with Les Need, the general manager of the St. Louis Rams, who's going to come in his usual spot a couple of weeks before the NFL draft. He's done that last few years. This is his third year in a row. Are we going to pick him up this time? or What do you mean? The little crumbs he drops Yeah, the, the breadcrumbs that he dropped the last time That's he was right. on talking about the number of number one overall draft choices that his number two pick back in 2012 was worth. And lo and behold, he he swapped it for three first-round picks two years ago in the RG3 trade, wondering if he's gotten calls already for the number two. Because if, if Clowney goes first, then every quarterback and every offensive tackle is still on the board for less need to take. Every wide receiver is available for less need to take. Or trade that pick because nobody thinks he's going to take it on a quarterback. What and if you- you're 3, 4, and 5 wanting Bortles, Bridgewater, or Manziel, wouldn't you want to just hop up one spot, two spots, three spots? Do you want if maybe you're in the low teens? By that I mean 13, 14. Right. Would you package things together to get up to two? Would you do that? Obviously, the team choosing 13th overall wouldn't do that because that's that's also less neat. Yes. That's his actual own pick. Would you do that? Has he already received phone calls for this? What are the parameters in his mind of the trade? And if not, why not take a quarterback? That's what everyone wants to know. It's the same question, by the way, as 2012. Is Sam Bradford the guy for St. Louis in the future? Because he has not been – I mean, you take a look at – but you also take a look at other number one overall quarterbacks – you're you're assuming that they're going to go ahead and be Andrew Luck. You'd hope. Not all of them are. Matthew Stafford leaps to mind. Even 
you know, the Matchroll wasn't number one overall, but he was right behind. Jake Long, number two overall. Number one overall pick, Carson Palmer. Jamarcus. I mean, the list goes on and on, yeah. right? What would you do if you were if you were less holding that number two pick? <sighs> oh, my gosh. What would I do? Would you take a tackle? Would do you we, take Greg Robinson or your guy dots? from Michigan? Les Snead Auburn? Greg Robinson, obviously. I don't think Taylor Lewan is 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 the first tackle taken. No, it's it's Greg Robinson. But a little side note on your boy Taylor Lewan. Um, he was in studio about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, on the Draft Tracker podcast. Send uh sent DJ a handwritten thank you note. So he was here he was on he, this campus. He was here. You were out of t- you were out of town, and because uh, we were going to try and make those planes collide there but uh he was gone by the way very, very a, a, I mean, a very artful <laughs> i mean come on analogy ah you know planes collide you know no they don't Do- line, how about connecting dots? connecting dots yeah planes align look planes land chris look it's been a long weekend it was a holiday weekend it was a long weekend i mean i got long some stories weekend. about that long weekend <laughs> what would you do what would you do? Do you go tackle? Do you get him another, here's, here's, do you get him another weapon? Would, here's what or do I would you do. trade down? Here's what I would do. I mean, I would take, I know what I would do. I did, I, I'd take Johnny Manziel. <laughs> yeah, so would I. <laughs> you love, man. There's no way he's getting by you at three in our mock draft, no. is there? No. Rip that knob off now. <laughs> Rip the knob off. I don't know, man. But wouldn't they have uh, saved- But here's the thing is, I just, I don't know the full stories. You know that? The underbelly. The Manziel underbelly. How filled is that underbelly? Yeah. How, how rich? He's throwing fifty-yard passes to guys on so, jet skis. So what? <laughs> I saw that video yesterday. Wow! <laughs> Tell me that again. What is that? Did you see this? No. Manziel posted to his Instagram. Uh, he's on the beach or on a pier or something, and he just one of his buddies takes off on a jet ski, and he. He hits him. Perfect. He throws it. Did it in stride? Perfect yeah, in stride. Is, is, so is, in, in wake. <laughs> what do yeah. we what do we call it? In cruise. I'm not sure. Yeah. But yeah. See, that's part <laughs> of the whole thing. Like I, I if I'm an owner, I like that razzle dazzle. I want that guy. But only if I know for sure that that's just the act. Right. That that's not the fiber. Does that make sense? Sure. That makes sense. I gotta know that he's gonna be close to doesn't have to be but close to first one in last one to leave certainly when you're the quarterback and you're using the number two overall pick but they you know they like sam bradford well they seem committed to they him, are so. indeed but i'm going to kick those tires when i when less calls in well the thing the thing too with sam bradford look i think we all know he has the ability but quarterbacks coming back off a torn acl in general that next year is after already has, having has shoulder never surgery been good. robert griffin the third philip rivers mcnab Brady. Dante Culpepper, Even Tom Brady. Tom Brady, Carson Palmer. I mean, it's it's usually a two-year thing for the quarterback position. But, you know, if what, what do you do? You trade Bradford? I mean, even if you release him, how quickly would he be picked up? Two seconds? Oh, one yeah. second? Three Russell. seconds? You, you, Lots of teams would like to They've have already Sam invested Bradford. a ton of money in him. I, I sort of understand where he's going, but I still want to kick the tires when he calls in. Got to. And the NFC West is, uh, is, is obviously uh, hyper-competitive. And we've got Larry Fitzgerald calling in. Yes, we do. What, what, what's what's going on in Larry's Larry life? Larry Fitzgerald has a celebrity softball tournament uh, that he's hosting this weekend in Scottsdale, Arizona. Okay. Friday. Can we somehow get in on that so, too? Yeah, we didn't get the invite. We, no invite there. No, 
I'm, you know, I've been to Scottsdale for Jared Allen's celebrity golf tournament, not for this one. But we're going to uh, be there for the Super Bowl. Yeah, this year we're sending a crew though, so we'll have some footage up on. Uh, That'll be fun. Oh, so did, was there a meeting about that? There was no meeting, but. So what, when we say we're sending a crew, NFL media sending NFL a crew? media sending oh, a crew. Oh, not the podcast. To collectively. Not, not the podcast. Well, we're on an island. We're, <laughs> we're on an island here, Chris. We're on an island. What is the name of our island? I don't know. <laughs> good the question. The island of misfit podcasters? What is, what, is, what is the name of our island? That's a good that question. A good, well, yeah. Eisen Island it sounds like, you know, immigrants once I'd landed like on it. Eisen us. Island sounds like a salad dressing. Eisen Island. <laughs> it's the silly season. It's the silly season. Um, and whose open did we use today? We used Jason Strachan's open today. Jason okay. was the uh, the last submission last the week. One that Colin, Colin Hanks really green yeah. Did you like Fargo? Nice. I loved it. Yeah, it I good. thought it was. Awesome. I thought it was really good. It was, more, I, it was more disturbing than right, I thought it would as be. As I by tweeted the way. out too, I was laughing way too much. To, I, I kind of felt inappropriate at some of the things I right. was laughing at, but it, I thought it was great. Yeah. That's kind of what they go for, though, is that yeah. like, awkward, <laughs> like, well, dark. I, I don't think I should be laughing at this, but this was really funny. Yeah. Oh, this was really dark, though. It was really, darker, and, really darker than dark. the movie in certain ways, <laughs> very, very yeah. right off the bat. Yeah. Um, uh, and you also tweeted about um, a wrap, a sandwich or something this week. What did oh, you tweet about? <laughs> what food stuff did you tweet about oh. this week? I was at the California Chicken Cafe, okay. and I hadn't been there in a while. Yeah, and I forgot how good the combo wrap was. And so you you took to Twitter to let us I, know. I, yeah, it was ten o'clock <laughs> at night on a Saturday, and I just wanted everyone. I to think know. I think I retweeted that with the one word <laughs> deep. deep. <laughs> is that why the that next day you tweeted something of mine and you put yes. deep? <laughs> yeah, no, like this is deep. Yeah, he <laughs> no, no, that's deep. See what he does sometimes yeah. is I I lash out at him, <laughs> and then he lashes out at you. At Chris. Me with the same Ball. with the same yeah. garbage. We kick the can down the road. We, yeah. we really do. It's we really like some do. families. Like some I spent families. way too much time with Brockman on Saturday. Uh, we did, but we oh. had a, we had a good time though. Yeah, where'd you go with Saturday? Was it? Uh, well, Saturday we normally uh, play basketball, and then we head up to this um, this sausage place in Venice called the uh, Wor- What is it? Worst Kutch. Worst Kook. And then German uh, sausage house, good beer. And then uh, then bowling. Uh, the idea of bowling was thrown out, and that picked up a bunch of steam. And so we had some four on four bowling, at which I threw a two oh nine. Yeah, Brockman had a Saturday. good game. Solid okay. game. And not to mention Law did a face plant on lane three. <laughs> a little slip on lane three, Rich. A little slip. All right. Now, um, I need more details. Clean up on aisle three, Rich. I need more details. Uh, did, did did the ball get stuck? Your fingers get stuck in the in the bowling ball? No, the ball and... the ball went. The ball was released. The ball went. Log. I had uh, Twinkle I had... Toes Flintstone over there, kind of uh, tripped Twinkle over his own feet. Flintstone. Look, you ever you ever hit a dry spot on on the? You know, on the alley, dude. I'm from Staten Island. I've bowled many a day. The sport, many the sport a frame. Oil, the sport oil wasn't the greatest on the lane, so you know, I was trying to get a little closer. You sure, you there that. wasn't uh, too much uh, sausage little, little, uh, going down. A little lubrication at this point in the night uh, ha- happening, and uh, a little, little, took a little tumble. But uh, Brockman tried to videotape my next one because he thought another tumble was coming. Yes, yeah, so, threw a strike. Yeah, and then he threw a strike, and it was great. Holy shit! The draft can't get here fast enough. <laughs> This is what we're this saying. This is really. This is what we're saying. We're down. I mean, oh, the two weeks, these two weeks are driving me nuts. Oh, well, I'm we- ready. I'm ready. But here's the neat thing is on the back end, all the uh, OTAs are going to come, yeah. right? One after, OTA, another. They, One after another. May is going to be really busy. We're, you know, May is going to, we're used to April having a little bit more possessed. The schedule will add some of that. The schedule release. Should be this week, right? Oh, it's going to happen this week. Yeah. It's going to happen this week. And 
Uh, what will probably happen is we will finish this podcast, and within five minutes of it being in the can, <laughs> they will announce it's coming out Wednesday. Yeah, at 5 p.m. Yes. Pacific time. And Eastern. if it does happen on Wednesday, uh, I'm hosting it, and I'm going to keep the beard that I've got. Yeah, on-air beard. I'm going to go on-air beard. Really? I like it. Yeah, I'm going like to go it. on-air beard, and we'll see how it rolls. Going hillbilly style on air. This is not hillbilly. <laughs> it's nice and properly trimmed. I don't know. Well, I've they, never done it. Is Joe it. Pesci telling you to trim your beard? I have not heard from Joe Pesci. <laughs> no, okay. I have not heard from Joe Pesci. Um, By the way, you want to talk about a guy who would break the bleep record? If uh, we ever got Joe Pesci on. On here? That record's going down. I don't know if Joe Pesci has heard of podcasts. No, but I'm saying if we could somehow get him. Well, the um, and then we're going to get to Les. Les, Les he's calling in in yeah, a minute, right? Yeah, Les will be okay. calling in. Um, the record that Bobby Cannavale set last summer and the Red Hot Chili Peppers lip sync <laughs> halftime performance <laughs> at the Super Bowl caused Timothy Oliphant to break in his post-Super Bowl appearance this February. What is the record? 13? Uh, 14, I believe. 14. Yeah. Because Cannavale was 12. Yeah. No, Cannavale was 13. 13. 14, Oliphant he, tied actually, it at 13 he, he, and then said F, F to... No, no. It was 12. You just you said Oliphant broke that's it. That's the record. Right. And then, and he, then, he, he, and then he one-upped it by and saying he, F Bobby Cannavale. He may have actually right. gone with like two more by, by After the end of the that. show. So, so the, gotta, but the record back. is what? I believe now it's, a, it's either at 14 or 15. We need to know stands. what that is because yeah. it is going down next week. Tweet us uh, if any listeners know from listening. Tweet us. I'll do what a, to save I'll you do the trouble. To oh, save I'm you the gonna, trouble. I'm going to check it out too. That was a great episode. That was a fun one with Oliphant. Just because we did the three week open <laughs> project doesn't mean everything, all the responsibilities, all the items within your normal inbox of this program hey, can look. be passed off to the listenership. Okay. You know. Makes them feel involved. I love it. Brockwood just sometimes just keeps his mouth shut because he knows he just wants me to keep going. He just wants I love that look he gives me. Just keep going on law. But the reason why I bring this up is next week, Bob Saget is coming on this program in studio. in studio. And that record's going down. And if you don't know what we're talking about, people, just go rent the aristocrats before Bob comes Oh, on. gosh. Not just that. Any, yeah, any, any of his stand-up. Any of his stand-up. stand-up. I think any most people, stand-up. Most people that aren't too into the comedy scene think of, you know, a Full House or think of America's Funniest Some Videos, clean, neat. He works blue. That's the cover. <laughs> That's the cover. Yes. The, book the book that does not get judged by that cover. When he was on Entourage, is Bob Saget? Yeah, he did, he had a great. He's got a new book Entourage. out as well that you should all um, go find on Amazon.com. He's coming in to promote that. Perfect. <laughs> and what so we have good. to do, we have to do. I don't know if he's going to do it. He says he will, but we've got to put on the front end of that show Mayock, just so we say this is a podcast with Mike Mayock and Bob Saget on it. <laughs> Draft Maven. And I, I would defy anybody to come even remotely close in our industry to putting that together. This is what we do, Rich. <laughs> this is what we do. A yeah. man who grinds tape and a man who just loves to grind <laughs> on the same <laughs> program. the grind house. Yes, indeed. Oh, man. So that's next week. All right, now let's talk draft. with. I mean, this guy holds the cards in my mind. Everything. I know Houston is number one, but you always look at draft flashpoints. Or what uh, pressure points? 
dominoes tumble after the pick that's made. Because even if he even if he keeps it and doesn't go quarterback, that just sets things up for three, four, five. Oh my lord! Planes collide at two, Rich. Would you stop with that analogy? <laughs> okay. Would you please? <laughs> but this guy is this guy holds most of the cards in the draft, and he is on the phone right now. It's become a tradition unlike any other. Right before the draft, on the cusp of the draft, as the draft is about to hit. This man comes along with his two first-round draft picks and calls into the Richard Eisen podcast for the third straight year with two picks in the first round, thanks to the RG3 trade that sparked a movie in theaters near you draft day. None other than the general manager of the St. Louis Rams, Les Snead. How are you, Les? I'm good, and, and I was going to easily say that you know we're a little behind the Masters, but since it sparked a movie, maybe the tradition's getting close. It is unlike any other, Les. I mean, it was just a couple of years ago when you were picking second overall and you had Sam Bradford there and you and and Jeff Fisher, new to the organization, saying steadfastly, Sam's your guy. Now here you are, two years later, second overall pick, and everybody's asking you if Sam Bradford is still your guy and you still have the same answer. It's amazing, but at least the number two overall pick is not your own, right? That, Les? That- that definitely makes uh, picking two better. <laughs> picking two is, you know, that's not a compliment often, but uh, so it being the Washington Redskins or once the Washington Redskins picked, it makes it a lot better. Yes, it does make it a lot better. So are you like the rest of us that you're ready to have the draft now? I mean, this is draft week. Normally this would be it, draft week. Now you've got to wait an extra two weeks. What has this – uh, May date for the draft been like for you? You know, I, I think sometime at the end of last week is when I said, okay, we're, we're ready to draft. And I looked at the, actually looked at the calendar and said, it's got to be soon. When was it supposed to be? And that's, you got that itch. But what what we've tried to do, now you got to live through it once to, to probably get the calendar exactly right. But what we've tried to do is spread some things out, not make it so intense in bulk so that you can get some mental breaks and get away and escape and, and, and hopefully have your mind fresh for, for the different scenarios that may come up on May 8th. But uh, definitely, definitely, we're uh, we're Kentucky Derby, we're the horses, and, and we're ready for them to open the gates. Yeah, and well, I think this, the Derby actually is run before the draft this year. The actual Kentucky Derby, I believe, gets run before the draft this year. Or it could be draft weekend. I'm not sure about those horses. I, I, it can't be draft weekend, can it? I don't know. It, I mean, the NFL, you know, just holds its thing, its events whenever it, it cares to. And the rest of the world has to adapt less. You know that. You know? But that that's a new tradition, Kentucky Derby run before or own. Yeah, it's the Saturday before the NFL draft. So, um, is, so your, is your board set right now? Would you say your board, what would you call your board right now? I would say the board is set. There's there is always some small fine tune fine tuning that goes on with it depending on you know meetings, private workouts, some things where you you get to know the player a little more. Nothing major, a card may move a, a centimeter or two. But but you know not anywhere not it doesn't move a foot or two. You know, it it's only in inches. So uh, but the board is pretty much set and it's ready to go. How would you term this draft class, Les? I, it's it's one of my favorite. I've it, it's a deep class and it's it, there's a lot of depth and there's a lot of good players. 
and 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 I'm not sure when they're gonna you know when they're gonna run out, but it's just deeper than normal. It's probably you know if they run out sometimes normally in the second round, they're gonna go into the third round. But even at the top of the draft, there is some freaks of nature that uh, there's more freaks of nature than normal. So it, it's been a fun draft to to uh, to study and analyze. To would, say the least. would I assume you're referring to Clowney in that regard? You know, he he's one of the. Uh, you know, unique freaks of nature, but there's a, there's a few others as well, and I, and I think because Clowney, his name's been primed into our brain, you know, since last year or or since that that bowl game where he, you know, oh boy, that's really Michigan. In, yeah, the, oh yeah, it was your alma mater. Yeah, Somebody last. missed the block and <laughs> yeah. annihilated the running back. So he's been primed into your brain, but to be honest with you, that's probably taken a little bit away from some of the other, uh, you know, freaks in this draft. Well, can you, I don't want you to put cards on the table, although I'm going to ask you point blank about a couple of them in a minute. Where, what about Clowney and his tape? We hear so much about his senior year tape, not being this, or his last year tape, not being as the previous year's tape and his work ethic and things of that nature. You, you have, you have seen the tape. You have met the kid. What, what, where do you stand on Jadavian Clowney walking into this draft holding second overall, Les? Well, you know, I, I think I, w- I would say this. I think the the tape and if if how bad it was with quotation marks around it, it's been blown out of proportion. I called him a unique player, and, and and let's call it Michigan. If Michigan decided to single team Clowney that day, and it didn't work out so well at the end, mm-hmm. what was interesting about this year, and, and I rarely seen this with a player is oftentimes nearly every time he was double teamed many times the kids triple teamed and teams still ran the ball away from him so he's they're taking three players and and he's taking half the field away as well so you know it, it really helps the defensive coordinator you know come up with schemes to help his other team so long story short less productive but when you break it down and watch the tape, he was highly productive in terms of what he was getting offensive coaches to try to do to slow him down. What do you think of Manziel? What do you, you know think what? of him? You know, I think he's very, I always say this, very competitive, very exciting. I think, you know, it's just been, you know, he's been one of those football players uh, that you've enjoyed, that you as a general manager on a Saturday night, let's, let's, take the GM cap off and let's just enjoy college football. I enjoyed watching that Duke game. I you know, and I'm a big Duke fan since my wife. That's you know, right. She's so I'm a big Duke fan. I like Cutcliffe. I like out, but I, you know what? I actually enjoyed watching Johnny football, you know, come back and win that game. That's just good for college football, good for football in general. So is he where, cause I, all right, let, let me parse this out then. Sam Bradford's your guy, correct? Les? Definitely. People wonder why you've seen the articles. People wonder why he can't stay healthy or when he was healthy, he didn't really show the prototypical quintessential franchise quarterback throw the team onto his back ability. Now, you could say that about the rest of the roster that was there before you were there, Les. But a lot of people wonder why Sam Bradford is your guy when you are sitting there now for the second time in three years with the ability to take virtually any quarterback you want if you sit where you are. why would So how do you answer that question? You know, I, I'll, I'll answer it this way, and then I'm going to explain it. But, you know, well done's better than well said, but you're asking for the, for the take on it. If we take the timeline, and, 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 I'll, and I'll break it down for you, 
Jeff and I get here for the 2012 season. So the previous five years before that, organization won 15 games. Well, Sam actually won seven of those games his rookie year, and he was, you know, rookie of the year for the league. Now, here's what's interesting. 2012, we come in, we adjust a roster. 20-plus players from the 211 season didn't get back in the NFL after we released them or didn't sign them back if they were free if they were unrestricted free agents. So over the, over these last 2 years we've won 14 games, nearly matched the 5 game 5 year stretch in wins. Now again, 14 games that's not the goal, never will be. But guess what? We moved the middle, made some strides and we made them with some young players, youngest team in football 2 years in a row. So, and when Sam was healthy can't help that he got an ACL injury. Wish he didn't. That's life. That's football. Guess what? You got to move the drill, and you and you and, and they don't call off the game next week. Mm-hmm. But long story short, he's five two and one in a very tough division. So I can say all of that again. Well done's better than well said. I think all of that plus the experience he's gained, plus the throws he's made, all of those things. We say, you know what? He's a starting quarterback. He's got it. It's better us to reap, you know, reap the benefits of all of that than some other team. So you're sitting there at two this year, Bradford. How is his knee? Let's start with that. You right know now. what? It's his knee, and 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 it, he's progressed away. It's fascinating the technology these days with with some of the new equipment they have and getting these. It's not necessarily the surgery that's better. It's the rehab process, and and you can get guys onto their feet and running faster because of these different gravity type machines that take the body weight away. But hey, he will we're gonna start OTAs in a couple of weeks and, and he will he will do some throwing during OTAs. So uh you know he's he's on a fast track. As you've seen with a couple of quarterbacks like Aaron Murray from Georgia and, and Mettenberger from L S U, they got hurt probably around the time Sam did or even a little after, and they've come in and done full pro days. So you can see how the rehab process is improving with not just Sam, with, with a lot of players. So you're sitting there at second overall. Right now as we're sitting here on what would have been draft week, we got two-plus weeks to go. Have you Has your phone already rang for that second overall pick? You know, the, the, phone, the, the phone has rang. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to use the word because it's getting old, but I've called it, you know, flirtatious calls. And I, and I think the phone's not going to really, really ring until people know what Houston's going to do, or really it's going to ring when Houston makes a pick. Because I think in this draft, there's teams that may want a QB. There's teams that may want a certain positional player if that person's not picked by Houston, whoever that may be. And, heck, there's teams that may want another player that Houston's not thinking about picking or you know, not supposedly thinking about picking. <laughs> so this. we don't know that. So I think what's interesting is there's more than one, uh, you know, player in play. But I do want to, you know, as you sit at two, like I said, there's some freaks in this draft. So sitting in two at picking is not, you know, is something that's very exciting to us well, as well. Sure, you can get a plug-and-play player, for the lack of a better phrase, for sure, at number two overall. But I think fans want to know, I'm curious too, how does this work, Les? Do you get a call from somebody saying – at some point, okay, let's say Houston takes Clowney or just they name a player, and then a trade might be discussed, the parameters of it right now, so you all don't have to deal in real time on draft night, that something is essentially in your desk drawer 
or in somebody else's desk drawer that's been discussed with you. It's pulled out, phone call is made, boom. Something is done because you've already talked about the scenarios prior to the draft. Definitely. You, you're exactly right. You'll, you'll have something in a desk. And usually how it goes is you may tell the team you're definitely trading or you may say it may be if our players on the board we're deals off the table. If they're, so they're going to really know, hey, if, if St. Louis likes a particular player, guess what? We don't have a chance. But if their player's not on the board, then they're open to doing business if ours is on the board. So what happens is, yes, you come up with all the scenarios, and usually you like to have the gentleman's handshake of, guess what, I'm not gonna, you're not going to call it too, and I'm going to say, oh, deal's off the table unless you give me more. So you don't hold anybody for ransom necessarily on the clock. You're going you're gonna to try to get all of that done, uh, you know, beforehand. And, and, and I mentioned I, we've got one of our guys who manages the salary count for us, Tony Pastors, and he's an, he's an Ivy League graduate. He's a Dartmouth guy. Mm-hmm. So, I've, you know, I'm an Auburn guy, so you can deduce that he's probably smarter and brighter than oh, I am. Oh, no, come on now, Les. So, but long story short, I've said to him many times, hey, you've got to be ready to think fast because things are going to happen fast. So. We're always we're always talking scenarios. If this happens, what are we doing? So he's he he claims he's ready to go and he's ready to act fast. Mm-hmm. So um, have where where are because you you dropped some serious breadcrumbs two years ago. You mentioned the number of draft picks, first overall draft picks you'd you'd be you'd be accepting for for RG three. Um, where where do you have at least right now a player that you have in mind that if that person is not taken by Houston. You got that guy, and uh, if if that player is taken by Houston, the phone can ring, and and you're going to pull a trade. Has that been decided on yet? You know that has not yet. I think what sitting at two this year because it's a deep draft. You could you could pick uh, you could pick player A, and player B would have been just as good. And I've often sat in, and we've done scenarios. Man, if we get player A, then I'm sad we didn't get player B. And then I plug player B in. And then I'm sad we didn't get player A, and that's just a compliment to the to the players. You you, you wish you could, you, you, you wish you were greedy. You could take them all, but that can't happen. But I I think to answer your question on this one is unlike last time, you know, last time this thing was done well before the draft, it seemed to be hey there was a two 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 quarterback race, so we were getting calls and serious calls. Earlier, I think in this case, nobody's really come with, guess what, I'm going to offer you this. It's still in the, we're still, you know, if we're shopping real estate, we're still in the in the back and forth stage. Nothing serious yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you think is going to happen? Crystal ball it for me, Les. What do you Crystal think? Crystal ball, I mean, I, I do know this. Here's what I do know. It's going to be a dramatic draft. <laughs> it's going to be drama filled, and, and, and that's that's whether we sit at two or not. And because right now we don't know who Houston's going to take, and it seems like today they could be taking another player than what everybody thought they were going to take for the last three weeks. So you still don't know what's happening at one, and whether Houston takes a QB or not. Where does the next QB go? We don't even know who the consensus number one QB is. So. I think all those things are going to make uh, you know this this especially the early part of this draft pretty dramatic. But you got to like I mean like if you need a tackle you're probably going to have your pick of tackle. I mean it, 
if Houston doesn't go clowny, I don't think anybody's sitting there thinking they're going to take a tackle. So if you want to tackle, you got your choice, essentially, as you're, as you're sitting there, whether it's one of your Auburn guys and Greg Robinson or somebody that Jeff Fisher's known since he was in basically kindergarten in, in Bruce Matthews' son, Jake. you got to feel good about that, right, Les? When That's, you, think- you know, you, you're, you're, you're definitely connecting dots. You, de- and you left out that Jeff's son's a teammate of Greg Robinson. Okay. So – that's a dot. Man, there's a lot of dots. Les. There's a lot of dots here with with the, with the two, with the two tackles, and we named those two. But guess what? There, there's others. There's one from Michigan. Yeah, there's. I think that school mm-hmm. yeah. that struggled <laughs> against South Carolina. We were talking about that oh, earlier. So, my but gosh. you know, take you. So you have. So what that allows you to do too is it does allow you to think about. Hey, what if you really want to tackle, and but if you didn't pull the trigger at two. You go another position, and can you get the tackle late? So all those things come into play as you try to figure out what to do at 2 and 13. But you've got to like the fact that also that there's three quarterback needy teams right behind you. And you, you've got that. I know you mentioned uh, you call yourself the co-pilot because of Houston's pick is in front of you. But if they don't go quarterback, you're the pilot. I mean, you're the pilot of this draft, Les. I mean, you, that that is something you've got to like going in, correct? That's that's the uh, that's what we've talked about, and that's what I've talked about with Tony. Is guess what? We're going to go from co-pilot to pilot relatively quickly, and at that moment when that occurs, we've got ten minutes to, you know, land the plane. So uh, we got to figure some things out quickly. But yes, that's what we want to make the m- most of the opportunity. I think that's the simple vision that we've had. Is okay. Fortunate enough to make the trade two years ago. Fortunate enough to have the two pick in the draft. So let's go make the most of the opportunity. And whether that's yeah taking a player at, at two, or whether that's you know what let's let's move back. But again, I think you you hit the point. Depending on what player there is going to depend on what people may be willing to pay for your pick. And that's what we got away in the end. And what, so what do you what do you think the number two overall picks worth with every quarterback on the board, Les? Well, think? I think here's what I can tell you is last time I, I, I've joked with people that I know, hey, I, I, I'm, in this situation I hadn't used that point chart. It was, guess what, we had a couple of teams. At that point in time we actually had more than two that actually wanted to pick, and, and they they were real serious. So instead of you kind of knew what they were willing to pay, and you said, okay, if they if they pay this, we'll close the deal right now. So really, to be honest with you, waiting on to see, hey, what teams are willing to pay, and then we'll weigh that versus, you know, holding Pat. So there's no buy it now button that exists for the <laughs> No buy two. it now right now. No buy it now button. No what, button. We still got two weeks to kind of, you know, speculate on the price or not. What, real quick, what do you think of Sammy Watkins when you, you see know, him? I, I think he's going to be a difference maker in the league. I, you know, you have he, he, like Johnny Menz, he may have been Johnny football a couple of years ago when he exploded on the, uh, the scene as a freshman, you know, you, you tuned in to ESPN to see his highlights. And I think, you know, he's got this rare combination. Here's what I've said many times. He may be a more gifted Anquan Bolden. Hmm. And guess what? Anquan's done it. And Anquan, I'm, we're still competing against Anquan, and he's still doing it to me. So Sammy hasn't done that yet, but maybe mom and dad gave Sammy a little more talent, a player that's <laughs> similar to him in terms of just run after the kid. You just love watching the kid play football. And how much of your decision-making, Les, is is based on your your 
location by the fact that the Super Bowl champion resides in your division that many people believe the runner-up to the Super Bowl. A lot of people love the NFC Championship game, essentially a division game, and the NFC Championship game was the de facto Super Bowl at Arizona. It's getting tougher. How much uh, is your decision-making with Jeff Fisher and everybody else there based on building from the NFC West out? Uh, you're on to something. Definitely the first goal is to win the division. If we win the division, guess what? We're in the tournament. Now, how we win the division is probably not playing defense to them. By that, I mean reacting to what they do. It's more being proactive to what we do. And you saw a little glimpse of that last year when we played a division game on Thursday night and it wasn't pretty. The 49ers came to our place and, and kind of, you know, you know, embarrassed us a little bit. And Jeff said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go back to playing really good defense like our division does. We're going to run the football, and we're going to do play-action pass. And I think that's a Jeff Fisher-type team. So I think what we want to do is proactively build our team to do what we do best and then go fight these other guys. And you saw your guys today, right? The Rams returned to the it's building? It's, it was, you know, for the first time, the players' parking lots got cars in it. <laughs> it's full. And, and I like to say this is this is the first day, and 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 the you know the quest to to topple the Seattle Seahawks for the NFC West. Ah, but you can't talk to the players. What's going? On? Is that the truth? You can, or you can if you say hi to them in the hallway. If you bump into them, well, you is that here's, what's here's the rules the, here? The strictness. You can you definitely can be cordial, say hello to them. Well, that's good. In the hallway. What what happens is is you have. All, all you've been to a lot of facilities yes. around the league, and you know they got all got this beautiful, lush green grass, usually behind them on three to four football fields. So a lot of your players are going to spend a lot of time out there. It's just coaches, myself, people like we can't go out onto the field where they're, you know, improving their trade. Is this college? Is this college football that we're talking about? Because this is, listen, I know that there's got to be a line drawn. Because when we first started the network, Les, I mean, the concept of voluntary activities was was laughable. Everything was considered mandatory. Players right. were players would absolutely be considered in violation. Let's put it this way: of the spirit of teamwork, if they were not part of any voluntary activities. So the the pendulum had to swing back in some direction. In my mind, Definitely. it just seems to me though, when when we're talking about the the MVP of the league and his offensive coordinator being accused of using Nick Saban as cover to meet, then I think the pendulum has swung too far in the other direction. I'd love to ask your thoughts on that. I think you're definitely right. I think the the pros of the pendulum swinging where it is now is, guess what? These players were chomping at the bit to get back. They They're glad to be here. There was no dread. They're looking forward to the structure. You can just tell. You can tell by their tweets from the weekend to their, you know, giddiness today. Uh, the negatives is, and and I've said it a few times, is I think in America, and let's take big Warren Buffett fan, and obviously he's done a nice job investing. He's one of the best at. Yes, he's he is. one of the best at what he does. I just don't think Warren Buffett takes 15 weeks off. I just don't think it's in his calendar to say, you know what, the, for me to be the best at what I do, for that guy that's out there trying to 
cure cancer right now. I'm not sure. He says, you know what, I'm going to put the microscope down and I'm going to take 15 weeks off. So I think that's where the pendulum may have swung too far. But I think what happens is it's not, it shouldn't be to go back to where it was and you just grind everybody down because each organization to consistently win over a long period of time, your goal shouldn't be to run your best assets into the ground. It should be, and science is getting there now where, hey, how do you, you know, prep, recover, have your body, your physical, all of that skills primed and ready for not just Sundays, but also Januarys, and not just Januarys, but also two and three years down the road. So if you could wave a wand, what would you, what would you change? You could, you could talk to them or you could, uh, what, you know, what parameters could be set up? I think, you know, if I could wave a wand, it may be, uh, Starting with some of the younger, let's let's take let's take this year's rookie class. They finish. Uh, let's take the Auburn and Florida State kids. They finished their national championship game in Pasadena. They probably, at least the Florida State kids, went out had a nice time. <laughs> then they went right into structured training for combine, right. and then they've been in the structured training for for you know their pro days, and now they're going to get drafted. Previously, they would go home you know, for Christmas and those type Thanksgiving vacations, but come right back to structured time. Well, now these kids are going to get drafted by us, and they're going to go through a long season, and boom, when the season's over, yes, they definitely need some time away because this is a grind. It's a, you know, it's a tough emotional ride, and, and you need some time away. But I just don't think you should send those rookies home for 15 weeks, and for the first time in their life, they have no structure, but, and it's for 15 weeks. So what I think happens is veterans are become veterans because of experience, and some of these young kids are gonna are gonna lack getting the experience needed because you know they're not around as much. So I think it could you could tweak the way you do some things with the young guys, not to come in and put them in full pads and, and practice football, but maybe learn their trade, get better. Uh, you, you, the things when you've watched the uh, the book of Manning where he's scared to death not to be prepared, and he's sitting there on the projector watching the opponents. Things like that, you know, just gives them structure time. I think veterans are probably, you could wean them to where, hey, the more time you've had in the league, you've proven you know what it takes to to get ready and, and consistently perform, and that's why you're a veteran. I think those guys can have more more freedom. Okay, to sum up this conversation. You tell me if I got everything right. Bradford's your guy. No question about it. Not just for this year, but for years to come. Correct? Definitely. Then that you didn't stutter right there. He's your guy. Yes. Okay. No stuttering. Uh, you, you've received flirtatious calls for the number two overall pick, but nothing that has uh, put considerable meat on the bones for the construct of a deal, and certainly no buy it now button exists yes. for it. No meat and potatoes on those calls yet. But you are you are open for that number two overall pick. Uh, definitely taking the calls. Okay. There's no for sale sign in the yard. There's no foreclosure sign per se in okay. the yard. Where hey, guess what? We we've got a sale, but we will listen and and weigh weigh what's being paid to what we have uh, on the table to pick. More dynamic players at the top of this draft than you've seen in years. Yes? yes, that's a true story. True story. Okay, um, and you, you, um, you are a Duke fan now because Kara would have it no other way. I heard that. I got that. That is true. Okay, but I've all. I, but 
pre-care, I was, I was, I was a major Coach K fan. Well, I mean, that's yeah, it's hoops, though. I mean, you know, yeah, I, I can't say. But that were you talking a, about you're watching Cutcliffe coached Duke football with interest, as opposed to you never really would have, correct? Correct. Okay. But I can tell you that I think probably about 1993, four. I was a graduate assistant at Auburn, and I can remember breaking down film and that's back then when you didn't have computers it was you're 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 cutting up tape but the fred goldsmith years and i can remember ray farmer gm of the browns yeah. playing say, thursday night they're undefeated this thursday night they actually got beat i think by florida state to kind of you know ruin their their seven and zero season but i do remember duke having a, a you know big year a few years back okay and lastly, Kevin Costner was channeling his inner Les Snead in draft day, correct? You, you, know, you, you gave him pointers. That is correct, right, Les? There was a practice in London that I did, you know, we did chat uh, what it's like being a GM. Okay. So haven't seen it, but I, it was nice to know I was told by Kara that they did mention uh, the St. Louis trade. Right off the bat? In a positive moment. So. Well, I mean, Les, the, the movie would not have existed, the construct of the film would not have existed or been based in any way, shape, or form of reality other than the fact that they had, you know, me, Berman, Gruden, Kuyper, uh, Mayock, and, and Dion in there. Um, the realism was that you, you actually pulled a trade like this. You actually did it. Well, to, to, go, to, to go deeper, and, Please. and this is when you're an only child, okay? So when you're an only child, you're spoiled, and your mom thinks you're, you hung the moon. So my mom, who lives in Ufall, Alabama, her and a bunch of her friends, and remember, these are probably 65 to 72-year-old women. Mm-hmm. Okay, They're driving from Ufall, Alabama to Dothan, Alabama. Ufall doesn't have a theater. So they take the 45-minute trek to Dothan, Alabama to watch draft day. Okay, so they're jacked and they're giddy. But I get a text from my mom that said something <laughs> like this, hey, guess what? You know, uh, what, was it, what was her comment to, you know what? Kevin did a good job, you know, you know, playing you. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't me, you know, mm-hmm. hey, I'm close to Kevin Costner. It was it was some type to the line of, you know what, Kevin did a nice job, uh, you know, portraying yourself. Yeah. 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 Like, Wait a minute, Mom, that, that's your, your way off base. Uh, yeah, although you, you would never have pulled off the trade that Kevin did and then gone into your, your, your war room and said, all right, now let's really start grinding tape on the player that we've just acquired. You wouldn't do that. Or, or I think trade away all your number twos for a trade that you hadn't pulled yet to get all your number ones back. I don't think you'd do that. Would you less? That, that, that does, you know, I, I probably would have done that in college when I was preparing for an exam, I would have waited <laughs> till the night before. You know that I did learn my lessons then, but I, yeah. you know, in this business, usually that is done on the uh, on the front end and not the back. Yeah. So again, on the front end, nothing's been done on the number two overall pick. So there's really no breadcrumbs to lay down this time. That's what you're well, saying. I think you know the bread. You know the basically. I think the bread. Uh, you know the uh, breadcrumbs will you know lie in. You know once the drafts pass and you and you go back and you. You hit play of your podcast. Yes. You can go through and say, "There it was." That so you was have it. left breadcrumbs. You have left some breadcrumbs. I, I have left some breadcrumbs. What could they possibly be? Hmm. All right. So gonna... only only when the you know hindsight is when the breadcrumbs become twenty twenty. Yeah. 
Okay. Rich isn't going to so be we'll able to see. sleep for a few but days. I know. I'm not going to be able to sleep. be tossing and turning, overanalyzing this one. What was that? Okay. The rear view mirror is always clearer than the windshield. It is. And the object <laughs> is closer than they appear to me right now is what you're saying. Right. Les, thanks for the time as always. I appreciate it. You're welcome. You bet. That's Les Need, the GM of the St. Louis Rams, 2-13 and 13 in this year's first round draft choices on the Rich Eisen podcast. You're right, Law. It's going to keep me up for the next two weeks. But the breadcrumbs, I believe, has to be one of the players that we mentioned as a possibility at two. Right? And that yeah. was Robinson. Robinson. That was Matthews. Matthews. Watkins. Watkins. Which is intriguing. I mean, they drafted. Right? They took Stedman Bailey in the fourth last year. Obviously got Austin in the first. So they drafted Dude, two they, wide receivers uh, I mean, in the in one, I, You can't have enough. You can't sure. have enough. And certainly if he thinks he is a, a, a younger, potentially better version of Anquan Bolden, who I believe, when it's all said and done, is worthy of Hall of Fame discussion. Really? I do. I do. He's got that Super Bowl ring. He's got the ring <laughs> that I know that he is uh, shown to Crabtree or Crabtree asked to see. Which one is more possible? I don't know. <laughs> but what? If, if Watkins is the next Bolden, and we'll ask, we'll ask, I, I want to ask our next guest if he thinks yeah. I, he'll probably say yes because you know he's he's friends with him, he's tight with him. But I mean, Bolden made a Super Bowl with Arizona, and he won a Super Bowl with Baltimore. He damn near came close to the Super Bowl last year with San Francisco. You look at the number of catches he's going to wind up with if he keeps going. That hit he took in the Jets game and then came back. Correct. The broken No face. doubt. I think he's going to be worthy of the discussion and, and then obviously get passed over for many years if folks like Chris Carter and Tim Brown can't get in right off the bat. That's true. So long story short, Watkins may be the guy. Do you think that – But it's definitely, wow. not, it's definitely not Manziel. I mean, you heard him. Or we and did, he, and, we did and talk and trade you, too. He did. Yeah, I know, but could be blowing smoke. He did say that that, and that's neat. That's the cool thing that that you talk about with general managers beforehand. If the situation crops up, that my player is not on the board and your player still is, let's work the parameters now. So in real time, we could just pull the trigger. And they yeah, have I a gentleman, that. and they have a gentleman's agreement that you won't hold up the other guy for more. You know, Sonny Weaver Jr. Because the scenario actually that was discussed is taking place. That I know you want this so bad that we already worked out the terms of the deal two weeks ago, and I know you want it so bad that now it's going to cost you more. You make that gentleman's agreement before. I like that. I like hearing that. That's the sort of nuts and bolts, lift the hood up on the engine type stuff I love to hear I and obviously when, pass along. When the when the Lions took Stafford number one overall, and I think when the Rams took Bradford, they kind of knew that before going into draft night. That was announced like the day before. Or well, couple- it's funny that the night before that draft with Stafford, I emceed a chat for Sprint, which was at the time the official wireless provider Provider. of the National Football League. And I emceed a chat with him and Mark Sanchez. Stafford and Sanchez. Yes, sir. Night before the draft. 
a chat after which Sanchez got on a plane to go back home to Southern California to be with his family. If you remember when the Jets pulled that trade, Sanchez was with his family in Southern California, hopped a flight back to New York. So Sanchez was physically there and left New York. Right. So I'm sitting with Sanchez and Stafford, and I said, you know, prior to it, I'm like, this is the night before. I'm like, have have you heard from the Lions? What's happening? And he says, I don't know. I leave that up to my agent, but nothing's been done yet. Night before the draft. I think what happened was Condon and the drafts got and Giants got together the that night to hammer stuff out, and the next morning we heard it was going to happen. When was the and last they made time? the deal? And I asked Stafford. I'm like, regardless, you're going to be. This is before the new collective bargaining agreement. When the insane scenario of making a rookie the highest paid player in the history of the franchise was still yeah, the the norm, and like, like for instance, you're going to take the top lawyer in Harvard Law School and make that graduate the highest paid attorney in the history of the, the firm. Yeah, yeah, right. The history of the firm. You're going to go. So ludicrous. You're going to go. You're going to go. Mitch McDearham. Right. Mitten. Very good. Yeah. Nicely done with the firm right there, Mitch McDear. One of my favorites. You're going to go and take the top, you know, Wharton business school student. And make them the highest employee in the history of the Dukes firm, right? To use the movie analogy. Anyway, so I I asked Stafford, I asked him, how much money is in your wallet right now? This is great. And he opens his wallet. He had one single dollar in there. And I'm like, you know, you took the courtesy car here, right? I mean, he walked. He walked the eight blocks with his buddies from the hotel to the event. So good. 2009 draft. 2009 well, draft. Well, what I what I'm getting at too is if okay, so those situations we knew a few hours before, there might be some situations where like Houston might know who they want, but they might not tell everybody. But do they courtesy call less and say, "Hey, you're on the clock after us. We've already made our decision. Hell no. Here's who we're going." What they with, do no? is, and this is another somewhat flaw in drafting. Yeah, teams are not hanging on the commissioner's word for the announcement of the pick. Because they don't know it yet. When when the pick is made, when I call, let's say Chris Law, you are my intern with the Philadelphia Eagles, <laughs> and I and I give you. Well, that's what usually okay. the, the people who are who are who are manning the phones. All right. It's an intern or a fan or or somebody who's been a long time employee. They get a trip to New York, so you're my pit boy. <laughs> I'm your Lloyd, <laughs> an entourage. No, that's. Yes, I get. You guys haven't seen history of the world, huh? I have seen history okay. of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. No, I, I know exactly. You haven't. Night the other jumps day, rook. The other day it was on. I had it on AMC Monday at Sunday night because of Mad Men, which I watched after Game of Thrones. Holy smoke, so good. And uh, so AMC for some reason had history of the world on in the in the morning, and I flipped the television on, and Xander saw Mel Brooks as the the king of France. <laughs> And he looked at me, he goes, is that an adult movie? <laughs> not, yes. you know, well, it's not the, what you would typically term an adult movie. It's like, it's not for kids. Right. You know, it's like an adult like movie. Right, movie. exactly. It's Which He can tell, you know, when Spider-Man 2 posters around town, he goes, yep. that's for adults, isn't it? Because yep. he sees Spider-Man, he thinks it's for kids. All right, anyway. So you are my person who's sitting at the table. Yes. I call you with my pick. You write it down on two cards. 
two cards. You'll always see two people at each desk who take the cards. In Radio City. In Radio City. You run on two cards. One card goes to the uh, podium, okay? And actually, hold on a minute. You write on one card. My bad. You write one card. The card goes up the podium and it goes to two people. It goes to uh, the commissioner, and it goes to Joel Bussert of the NFL front office, who I believe then calls the next team on the clock and lets them know. So only the next team. So they find out, what, a minute before? Yes. Something like that? Yeah. Yeah, and and so, so the next team on the clock knows who's already gone. So the right. team that's next on the clock sort of gets a little bit of a heads up as Got to who's it. gone. And so um, so in draft day, you know, they would know who, who Roger Goodell was about to announce as the pick. And the interesting thing is the commissioner's card, doesn't he doesn't just take what's written on the card and hand it up. Somebody could write something illegible. The last thing you want the commissioner to go like, who is this person? <laughs> what they do is each player has a card already written out for him printed. and phonetically printed. Yeah. Phonetically, if the the name needs a phonetic pronunciation. Prince of Mukamara. Exactly. The the phonetic exp- uh, spelling of Amukamara is underneath his name, and the only blank that needs to be filled in is with the blank pick, and the, the blank yeah. selects. Nice. Yep. You just fill in the number... The of the pick and the team, cool. and the rest is already printed out for the commissioner. That's our pal Chris Masala doing. But that. the next, yes, the next team on the clock always knows who's going to be. It's never a surprise for the next team on the clock. When was the last time the f- number one overall pick was signed before the draft? I think it was uh, Stafford. I, I thought it was Brad. Um, Sta- maybe it was one of those two. Well, maybe Bradford okay. was when two thousand ten. Yes, Bradford. I think that after. might have been it. He was signed before the draft? Yeah, they, it could have and been. So, and so it was just a formality? Well, it, it couldn't have been Cam Newton because there was a lockout in 2011, right? right? In 2012, Luck wasn't signed yet. Nope. Because no. he was still going to Stanford. You remember that? Right. Because he, he wasn't even, go, even allowed to participate. He wasn't even in allowed the, to go to camp. Right. right. In 2000, 2008, 10, 2008 2000, was Jake Long. In 2010, was Sam Bradford. I'm yeah, so sure it was probably it was Bradford right, was yeah. the last one, yeah. So well, he was the last the one to get the... The, the, big, jackpot. the big money, too, right. yeah. But I also remember the last time Houston had the first overall pick. They they let everybody know it was Mario Williams. Williams yeah. Our boy Schefter sniffed that one out. Now, what a, everyone's like, it's not Reggie Bush? you got to be kidding me. Or the hometown uh, Vince Young, either. There. What a draft. Back in 06. It's a that fun was, that time, was a fun man. Draft. The draft is it's an electric feel. That oh, the first, first round is the, is the best. City, well, the crazy thing about it too is that it, it it is it's a dog and pony show. Yeah, it's a dog and pony show. Maybe we should get uh, Dick Costello back on the phone next week to see if he can what his philosophy is again on Twitter ruining the draft. <laughs> and we we'll could check on the Eisen font. We can tell you, yeah, who not to follow. There's a good series, and I'm also speaking at at, at Michigan on on May. 4th. This might be a bad idea. I, I doubt we'll be able to get him on short notice at all. But I'm speaking. I'm speaking. Speak, you're speaking at Michigan. Yeah, it's the first ever. Um, you know, each school normally has its own graduation the right. night before. Right. The big, humongous. Usually, it's the Saturday, and the big ones on Sunday. Or in Michigan, the big ones on Saturday, okay. and the, the night before Got is it. you know. So for the first time, the uh, athletic department's going to do one just for the graduating athletes. 
and they asked me to come and be the first That's awesome. keynote speaker. When is that? Uh, on a couple Fridays. I'll be on the campus of Ann Arbor. I haven't been there. The last time I was on the campus of Ann Arbor was when I went to promote my book in 2007. Why are we not doing a podcast from like the student union live? Richard in Ann-, Ann Arbor. Audio only. Like a big forum, like, like a, how well, I'm flying in the day of. Like how Corolla does at like the Ice House. We could do one of those type deals. I should have let you know before. Workshop you know? this. What's the date again? We can still make this we happen. Make this Friday. Happen. We can still make this happen. Right. No, I land. Yeah. I land and go straight to Chrysler Arena. It's gonna be cool. It's gonna be at Chrysler too. It is. Mm, that's wow. Big. That'll be fun. It's gonna be fun. Do you get nerves at something like that? Or well, no? I get nerves sitting there. I gotta write. I gotta write it out. Yeah. Well, I gotta write it out. Writing's your thing, though. I, mean, I know, but you just you want to get so it is right. It. So it's, <laughs> I'm not waiting. Susie suggested just go up there and speak from the heart. Uh, I, you know, I know what I'm gonna say. I just need to put it down. Is this like paper. Jerry Seinfeld at the middle school? Like how many minutes yeah, you just, gotta fill? I know. <laughs> just what you want to do if you want to be like me is uh, just uh, what's the deal? Make with a home? fart joke and you get a quarter. <laughs> you get a quarter. What's the deal with homework? You're not working on your home. <laughs> Why do they call it Ovaltine? They should call it Roundtine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Did you guys catch any of Caught in the Draft, the series uh, the NFL film? I have produced? not, no. The 1974 one that aired last week was incredible. I didn't well, realize. Just as you know, what, what films does oh, is fantastic. just remarkable. There were five Hall of Famers from that class and four from the Steelers drafted. I mean, that's insane. Yeah. Different time then. Hey, man. Rod Woodson, who's strolling around here. Yeah. Ask him what it was like strolling into the Steelers locker room when he was a rookie. They, he, most of them were still there. Chuck Noll. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, he started with Noel. That's right. And and Mar- one of Marshall Falk's, my favorite stories Marshall Falk tells, and then we'll get to Larry Fitzgerald who's on the phone. Yeah, he's calling okay. in about three minutes. All right. One of my fa- did Marshall, has Marshall Falk ever told you his Mean Joe Green story? I have not heard that. Okay. Me either. And I watched him tell this story at the Hall of Fame with wow. Mean Joe Green there. Yes, I have heard Were you there? No, I've, I've heard the story. With though. Mean Joe Green there, telling the story to Mean Joe Green and I think Mel Blunt and a couple other people, and he's telling the story. They're playing, Marshall's playing against the Arizona Cardinals. And Mean Joe Green was on the sideline. And some member of the Cardinals was talking up a storm during that game. Talking up a storm. And Marshall just laid it on him, laid it on the Cardinals. And he makes this one play, he breaks it free, it's a big gain, and he winds up talking to the whole bench, as many people as he could yell at. And he's like, I'm going to get you, I'm going to get And he goes right down, and then he realizes two people that he just yelled at past was Mean Joe Green, and he went back to, (laughs) he went back and says, I don't mean you, Mr. Green. (laughs) <laughs> in the middle of the game, like in the as it happened, he went game. back. He went back. He realized, wait a minute. Part of the people on the Cardinal sideline I just barked at was Mean Joe Green. Wow. And he said he went back. Two people went. I don't mean you, Mister Green. That's Caught a- himself like right in the middle of That's it. So good. I know. And Mean Joe Green said something along the lines of, "Yeah, I was gonna come out there and slap you, silly. I'm cleaning it up a little bit." He would too. But I mean, yeah, those Steelers, they were, they're all, they're all in that gallery for oh, yeah. a reason. Yep. All right, uh, Larry Fitzgerald. Let's chat with one of the greats of our current edition of the National Football League. He is the perennial Pro Bowl wide receiver, um, who will no doubt play uh, 
most likely in his his home stadium for the Pro Bowl uh, coming up next year. And maybe if all things work out for the Arizona Cardinals, they'll play another game the week after that in his building. Wouldn't you like that, Larry Fitzgerald? Yeah, we can we can nix the Pro Bowl and just get ready, ready for the Super Bowl. That would be that would be idea. That would be, that, 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 that would be idea. Yeah, that's 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 the that's the concept. I'm sure you're you're working on that right now. You're 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 deep in meetings already on April 22nd. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, we're in the classroom. You know, uh, you know, watching the cutters from last year, just as we put it in our install, uh, install. And uh, you know we're working hard. You know we got a we got a great coaching staff, and we're trying to build on what we were able to to, to do last year with a ten and six season. Well, what do you think? Uh, we just talked about this with the general manager of the Rams, Les Snead, about how there's no communication allowed between coaches and and players uh, where in the past few weeks. Whereas in recent years, um, even the the voluntary meetings were deemed mandatory, and that wasn't a lot of fun for a lot of people either. Where do you stand on the fact that uh, in between uh, the end of the season and pretty much the last 48 hours, contact even outside of the meeting room was not allowed between you and your and your coaching staff, Larry? Well, you know what, um, you know, for the teams that are uh, have new head coaches and new coordinators, I think it's a little bit more difficult. But for a team like ourselves, who's returning everybody um, in terms of most players and and and, and skill positions, and and also the coaching staff, I think it's is not as big of a deal. I mean, we all know the system at this point. Uh, we all are comfortable with each other, um, so the break wasn't as bad. But I, I can I, I can see, uh, you know, the teams that are coming in new, they want to learn the system, they want to get acclimated with each other. Um, and that time is valuable, uh, you know, to be able to, you know, be able to shorten the learning curve. So, um, for, for for us, it's not bad. You know, it, we we like to break. Yeah. What what what'd you do? Normally, you 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 go to some very exotic locations, and you you um, you you take part in some uh, some fascinating ventures. What did you do over the past couple months, Larry? Yeah, yeah, nothing changed. You know, I still did my 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 trips, which I always really enjoyed doing. I got a chance to go to Rwanda and. Uh, you know, work with Starkey Heron Foundation again on one of their mission trips in Tanzania, and me and Andre Roberts uh, went to to Australia to go to the Australian Open. You know, in in, uh, in January. So, you know, same old, same old. Just going out and enjoying enjoying all the God's creations. No, <laughs> same old, same old for sure. So, what? Just before we get to your 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 charity event. Uh, what 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 were what was it like in Rwanda, can, in Tanzania? Can you explain to me what 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 that was all about for you? Well, you know, Rwanda is a really uh, interesting country. You know, they're 20 years removed from, from the genocide, and uh, now they are probably Africa's uh, most vibrant country in terms of GDP growth and um, jobs being created and 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 growth uh, in terms of their economic uh, you know standpoint. So. I mean, it's a fascinating country. They got a wonderful president doing great things there. So to, to be able to see them empowering themselves, you know, just from the couple of years ago when I was there last visiting, visiting, see the see the improvement in terms of the infrastructure, new airports, freeways, things like that. Um, so it was it was really nice to see that. In Tanzania, I always go there yearly. Just I love the safari and go out there and see the wildlife. I enjoy uh, the photography aspect of that. So um, you know, I I always enjoy you know just seeing different things, experiencing new cultures. And uh, this week you've got uh, your annual charity celebrity softball game, VIP party, et cetera, f- to raise yeah. funds for your first down fund. What What is this about, Larry? Well, first down fund we established in 2005, and, uh, you know, uh, since then we've raised quite a 
quite a uh, substantial amount of resources for after-school activities for the youth and also breast cancer research, which I lost my mother to in 2003. Uh, both of those causes are near and dear to my heart. And there's a lot of influential people that will help me along the way. And I just want to make sure I'm paying it back to all the younger generation coming behind us so they have the same opportunity that I have to live my dream. Um, and we have a lot of great players coming out, Richard Sherman and, uh, and uh, Anquan Bolin, Roddy White, Greg Jennings, Stephen Jackson, um, uh, and Donovan Sue, uh, a lot of terrific players coming out and supporting. And I'm really appreciative to have those relationships and friendships. Yeah, and you got Kurt Warner there, huh? You got Kurt? Yeah, Kurt. Kurt. Kurt actually broke his hand. He's banged uh, up though. You know, he's yeah, banged broke up. Broke his hand a couple of days ago. He, they said he was trying to dunk off the trampoline. You know, if you ever go to a Suns game, you see the gorillas able to do all the acrobatic <laughs> dunks. And I thought Kurt was having a flashback at maybe when he was in his 30s and he can actually touch the net. Um, yeah, so he, he was out there trying to do some crazy stuff. Yeah, or, or take part in the new movie White Men Can Trampoline. I think that's what he's <laughs> I think that's what he's trying out for there. But yeah, he's banged up. He's talking about he's just you know, he's 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 just starting to run again. I mean he's he says he's really banged up, but he's gonna be out there nonetheless. Yeah, he's gonna be out there coaching, uh hopefully coaching his team to a win because mm-hmm. he's my coach. Yeah, I, I uh, there's one name I see missing here because it says a host of Larry's celebrity friends. There's the name of Rich Eisen. Larry, I, 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 I don't see that uh, on the well, list we, here. We know that you don't do anything without permission from your wife, so <laughs> you know, we, didn't, we didn't get off Call. the station. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we, Larry. We, you, might, you, might, you might have pants on right now, but you don't wear them at all. Oh, you know, but, so. she, but Larry, she would love to be part of this, too. I mean, oh, you know oh, her. You know, well, you know my wife. Well, I mean, well, I, didn't, I, I, didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know. You, you yeah. didn't let me know. Okay. Well, now I guess I have. For okay. the future, okay. yeah, okay. So, so Rich, do you want, what are you what are you doing this weekend? We would love to have you. Oh gosh, you like to come? Oh, I can't. My wife would maybe, never let me, Larry. I, oh my gosh, you text, text her and ask her. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you send if you send in a particular aircraft, she might get on. You know what I mean? It's what, just what, what is what is what is it going to be? A G a G three? A citation G4, of some four, some sort? Citation yeah, Tim, citation Tim would that would suffice. Yeah, okay. that, that would do. Uh, one of the names that I do see on here is Anquan Bolden, and, and a few minute, minutes ago we, we did talk about this. I think when it's said and done in his career, he should have Hall of Fame mentions or at least a discussion. Where where do you stand on, on your former teammate, Larry? Well, Anquan is a special human being uh, besides the football aspect. I mean, he's just a, a quality, quality person, and one that I've been uh, blessed to be able to get to know over the last 11 years. Um, but what he's going to accomplish on the football field, he's hands down the toughest guy I've ever played with. Um, you know, breaking his face, I remember in the Meadowlands against the Jets um, in 2007 uh, and coming back in four games and scoring two touchdowns for us after having 100 screws put in his face. And, I mean, it just exemplifies the kind of toughness and, and tenacity he has, uh, a, a will that can never be broken. And when you talk about Hall of Fame credentials and guys, how um, you know they would able to elevate their game to the highest levels, you, you look back two years ago when the Baltimore Ravens won a Super Bowl and how he played in that Super Bowl game. He willed his team to victory. Um, you, you see how he's uh, uh, you know played throughout his career, just dealing with uh, you know injuries or what have it. I mean, he's always risen to the occasion, and it's been fun to watch. What are the odds that he carries a message from Crabtree for Richard Sherman at your event this weekend? Larry, what are the odds no. of that happening? Anquan's a nonviolent person. Okay, you know, he, 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 he's, he's all he's all about doing the right thing. You know that I, that's one thing I do know. 
where where do you stand? I, I, I don't know how well versed you you are on uh, the the incoming class of the wide receiver group that's going to be available for drafting in a couple of Thursdays, Larry. But many people are saying it's the best in years, starting with Sammy Watkins. Do you have any any thoughts on some of these kids that are coming in? Evans, Cooks, uh, Benjamin, these kids that are going to be potential first round picks. I would be lying to you if I told you I knew you know oh, too too much about it. You know I I, I know the, the top tier guys, but once you get past you know the you know say the first five guys, mm-hmm. you know it gets a little fuzzy for me. Um, but I mean I, I've seen the highlights and, and watching the NFL Network from time to time. You've seen you know how dynamic some of these young men are, and um, the guys gonna come in and bring a lot of excitement to this game. Okay. Yeah, I just thought I'd take a crack at that. And 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 um and twentieth overall, um, what are you hearing for your team, do you think, that, that might go down for the Cardinals? I have not the slightest inclination of what we'll be doing in the draft, I'll be honest with you. I don't I I don't even have this type of discussions. You know, I just trying to make sure I'm doing everything I can right. to get myself together and the guys that are in the building right now to make sure we're uh, crossing our teeth and dotting our eyes. I thought of you the other day, Larry, when I saw the news that uh, Boardwalk Empire has only one season left in it. That hurts. That hurts so bad. But I'm loving Game of Thrones right now. You, oh, you, you ever watch that? Are you kidding me? Man, you see how, you see how he's trying to set my buddy Tyrion up? I, I, oh, man. It, I was hurt, man. I was glad to see Joffrey go, though. I'm not going to lie about that. I don't blame you. Do you think it was the pie or the wine? It was the pie. Him? I thought it so, too. The, it was the pie. It was the pie. And it was the the court jester who did it for for Littlefinger, right? That's the way it seems like to me, right? Uh, the court jester, because the court jester yes, was the I one who I, ran I, up yeah. to Sansa and said, "You've got to come with me right now." You know, that was the, that was the, the court jester, the one that uh, Sansa saved his life. Yes, Joffrey was gonna was gonna behead him. Um, right, you know that that one time. I don't know if it was him though. I don't think he had enough power to get that close to him to get to the pie. Yeah, I don't think he had that. I don't know, because he was the one. As soon as it was happening, he's like coming up to the Stark girl, saying, "You got to come with me." I yeah, don't. Know. I, I he was in on it. I think I don't know, but who's your favorite? I know who my favorite character is. Who's yours? Game. You of know Thrones? what? Before before uh, Rob Stark was my favorite. Obviously, he died last season. Yep. Um, I'm I'm a, I'm a Stark guy. I like I like the Starks. You know. Um, you yeah. know, the most interesting relationship is. Um, Little starts with with the hound. Yeah. Yes. You know, like that is a really I like interesting it too. dynamic too. You know, it's <laughs> I like it too. My favorite though is the mother Kylie, of dragons. Kylie. The mother of dragons. I oh, love Khaleesi. The Khaleesi. Yeah. You know, and here's she's you'll not, like this. Here's she's a com- not bad to look. At. She's not bad to look at either. Well, well here's the thing: is I had this because I do watch Game of Thrones with my wife every week. We we it's it's our favorite show, and so. We're watching this past week, and the Khaleesi shows up on the screen, and she just looks spectacular. And I just, it just comes out of my mouth. I'm like, she is freaking awesome. <laughs> and, my, and, my, and my wife goes, why? It's because she looks beautiful and kicks ass every week? And I'm like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she goes, oh, I get it. I get it. Oh, yeah. That's the mother yeah. of dragons right there. Yeah. The dragons are starting to get a mind of their own now. They're starting to they're starting to bark back now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh back. man, I, yeah, I do love the Game of Thrones. I love yeah. Game of Thrones. I'm glad you do too. But Boardwalk Empire yeah, has only one season left in it, Larry. I, I, you know I, what? I Honestly, you... I I I TiVo mm-hmm. the football games and watch those after I watch Board of, uh, Boardwalk Empire. 
like Sunday Night Football, I'll TV that and watch it after I get done yeah. watching Football Walking Fire. I'm the same. I, I, you know what? I don't blame you for doing that. I would do that for Game of Thrones. Game of yeah, Thrones, everything stops for Game of Thrones. You know, Aaron Rodgers is a huge Game of Thrones fan. Huge. Really? Uh, I, didn't know, I, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, he is. I mean, it's great. I, I, I mean, he's he, he came on last year, so maybe we'll have you on too for after the uh, season finale because we had him oh, on man, last I, year. I would love, I would, I would love, I would love it. I, I, I thoroughly enjoy Game of Thrones. I just love how, how many different. I mean, they got one, two, three. They got five different scenes going on in every single episode. You oh, know it's what I mean? crazy. Sometimes though, I just know that you know there's such a finite number of scenes in a one-hour show that if they if they end up showing characters that I'm not really interested in, I get pissed off because it's a waste of time in my mind. You know, it's a waste yeah. of prime real estate. Hey, the the new guy, the new the new guy that just came and joined the Wildlings. He seems like he's kind of interesting. Dude, <laughs> That's one way to put it. He seems hungry. That I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he seems yeah. hungry, that guy. Oh, yeah. man. Larry, listen, have a good weekend. Say hi to everybody for me. Uh, I appreciate the invite, late as it was, but I still appreciate it. I Thank, thank you very you. much. LarryFitzgerald.com is the way you could find out more about this week that uh, supports the First Down Fund. Thanks again, Larry. Yeah. Hey, we're, me and uh, we're, tomorrow we're doing something fun. We're speaking at uh, Harvard Business School tomorrow. Really? My, yeah, myself, Dominique Fox, uh, Foxworth, uh, Richard Sherman, and uh, – and, uh, uh, Foster, Aaron Foster. Who you? What are you doing there? Uh, we're speaking on the panel um, about uh, African Americans in sports, the social media impact that it has on on athletics, uh, athleticism today. Um, you know, so it's, it'll be a fun little roundtable. You know what, Larry? It's like when I Richard Sherman being called a thug could be the dumbest thing that I heard in many years. You know, and you obviously know him really well. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's just. That has to be the dumb. I mean, that's the only way I could put it. The dumbest thing I've heard is him being yeah, you know, painted you know what, as such. What, 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 what happened and the way it happened, I can understand why people would would, would say that. Um, but knowing him personally, the way I do and the way you do, is not indicative of the kind of man he is. It doesn't represent him. Um, it, it doesn't suit him. Um, but, you know, he turned on TV you know, white America sees an African American acting in a volatile manner like that, you know, it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna raise some eyebrows, you know. And he's going with you to Harvard Business School tomorrow. Yeah. That'll and, be good. and he'll be he'll be with us on Saturday too for for, for my softball day. Man, you're going all over the place. Arian's pretty good yeah. on Twitter too. Yeah, all yeah, three of you guys. Yeah, Arian's very good great. on Twitter. Well he went yeah. off. He dropped off the Twitter map for about a year. He tapped out. Yeah. For, for a year. But he's back now. Yeah. And, and did, have yeah. you seen Draft Day? Did you see his performance in Draft Day? No, I didn't. How do you do? It was very Ray Allen-esque. I would, you really? know, yes. I thought it was really good. He was really, really good. And, and and I'm sure it freaks the heck out of Texans fans when he's wearing a Browns uniform at the end. <laughs> that is something really? else. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. See, maybe here's what you do. You you tell Arian uh, you liked it. Go to his uh, acting coach and get on the final season of Boardwalk Empire. <laughs> you know what? They actually reached out to me. I wanted to Did be they? one of Chalky White's henchmen. Are you serious? Yeah. Are you going to do it? But, you know what? Like I, I've had a lot of opportunities to do to do that stuff, Rich, and I just you know my window of opportunity to be great at what I do is so finite. 
finite. I just want to make sure that I'm doing everything I can to maximize my potential right now. I feel like those opportunities will potentially still be there once I'm done. You know, Dancing with the Stars, they've asked me three or four years in a row to do it. And I just, I just you know, I, I'm just, I just don't want to, I don't want my teammates, you know, think that I'm not fully invested in what we're trying to accomplish, you know. Interesting. So you think just even taking the day to go to L.A. to be Chalky White Senchman or wherever they shoot it, maybe in New Jersey, that that would be that, – that takes your eye off the ball of what you're trying to accomplish on the football field? Um, in some circles, it could, it, could, it could be viewed that way. It could be viewed that way. You're a good man, Larry Fitzgerald. You're a yeah. good man. You're a good if man. A good, if, I, if I'm such a good man, you come out to the event this Saturday. You well, have nothing Larry, going on. Larry, nothing. It's, I've got the nothing, schedule release – I got a schedule release. On. I got a schedule release coming up, and any day I got, I got three kids. I got. I mean, let me, let me, let me see what I could do. I'll see what I could that's, do. That's that's fair. That's fair. I, I will. Can, s- I can. I can live with that. I'll see what I can do. All right. All right. And I'll reach out if I can do okay. anything. All right. That sounds good. All right, Larry. You take All care right, of yourself. Always, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. No, you bet. Anytime. All right. Anytime. Talk to you, later. you bet. That's the one and only Larry Fitzgerald on the Rich Eisen podcast. Larry Fitzgerald, everybody. The one and the only. A very NFC West feeling edition of this show. Got yeah. you all up to date on what the Rams might do in the draft with less need. And we got Larry Fitzgerald on the on the program. If we have the, good stuff. I guess we have the third and fourth team of the NFC West. Wh- which of the Seahawks or Niners, which of those two teams potentially don't make the playoffs because they get leapfrogged by one of these teams? 49ers. 49ers? Why? Just because, you know, Alden Smith. But one of, I guess TMZ got a, a great, great uh, nameless quote from an, 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 an you know, a, a, a law enforcement officer. Okay. From LAX? When they, well, no, they asked, they asked, you know, why isn't all they found out that Alden Smith was not on a no fly zone? Not what well, it's not on a no fly list after being arrested at the airport for threatening to have a bomb. And the answer from the law enforcement officers quoted by TMZ was the no fly list is for terrorists, not for idiots. <laughs> wow, what a great quote! That is great. I don't know if that is the reason why they're not going to make the playoffs, Chris Brockman. You know, I know, that they, deal, I know, I know somebody ca- guys has to not make it. That's April. the thing, though. There's no way that... that there's no way. traded their coach? No way. There's... No way. No way. You're telling me the 49ers are not making the playoffs after making the NFC Championship game three years in a row. I'm going to say it, and then that way, in January, we can play it back. Okay. For when Crabtree comes by? Right. Because, because obviously he's going to have a lot of free time. We got to get Crabs back. We got to get Crabtree back in here. Just to ask the follow-up question of, well, did, did you? you? <laughs> right, well, don't do well did you? That was one of my favorite parts. Is of the, the follow-up of, question of, of the open Correct. that was us where <laughs> well, <did you? laughs> Brockman yells, "Jerry Rice is laughing." Jerry That's Rice right. is laughing. That's right. He was. <laughs> he was. So good. That was all the validation I needed. All right, housekeeping. Um, last year at the mock draft that you produced so expertly for NFL Media, uh, yes. Chris Law, we had uh, you. You conducted a rehearsal in yes. in in the mock draft room, which I assume is in the same place. Same room this year. It's yep. the command center from yeah. which from which real time NFC uh, NFL um, officiated replay 
calls will be make, will made from, from yeah. right? The yeah. NFL... I, I said it, that's so terribly. It's the, it's the Art McNally Officiating Command Center. Ah. Yes. Uh, okay. New, newly named the Art McNally Officiating Command Center. So, yeah, real-time Sunday. Where, where the top zebras of the National Football League watch all the games on their DVRs, not their TiVos. There you go. Excellent. And, and, and from, from which actual replay calls will be made this year. Yeah. Or help helping replay calls get made. Correct. Got to parse it properly. So, last year, to get all those shots down... You asked mere mortals. Mere podcast listeners, the people that make this show what it is. Yes. To come in and... Be stand-ins. They were stand-ins Are for... you going to do that again? We're going to do it again, yeah. They were stand-ins for you, for Marshall, for Michael Irvin, for Billick, Mooch, uh, Damashek. Uh, I played Mayock last year. And, and who, who... Did Andrew Sidebottom play <laughs> Melissa Stark? I think Andrew Sidebottom might have been <laughs> Melissa Stark. He was a big hit. Uh, at the at the rehearsal and on Twitter subsequently, he got a shout out from you. Yeah, because I mean, anybody who's right. named Side Bottom, <laughs> greatest thing ever. <laughs> you made. You, you, I got. I got to say this. Um, I'm going to say this. Go for it on Twitter. One of my colleagues, who I follow, I, I love this person, but they like uh, frequently retweeting compliments that they get. Right. Somebody, that person, this today, retweeted a compliment sent their way. The handle was at. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's great. And they just blindly retweeted that. I, I assume. I showed it to Susie. That's amazing. She's like, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta say something. <laughs> Can we call out this person? I, I don't want to because I love this person so much. Okay. But in a way, I may have just done so by revealing. <laughs> We're, we're, I'm just going to search that on Twitter and find out. I had to start turning <laughs> off retweets from people because all of the just I know. retweeting of the great job. Well, was but so I retweeted annoying. one today. I didn't retweet that, but I did tweet out the fact that uh, Mr. October, Reggie Jackson, is on Twitter. And I he's my childhood idol. I go there and he's following me. Somebody wrote back humble brag. I'm like, nothing humble about it. Yeah, nice. stri- that's a no straight way. up brag. And you know what his you know Reggie Jackson's avatar is? Of him in a Pittsburgh Steelers hat. Really? Yeah. I looked at the avatar. I'm like, that doesn't look like the interlocking NY on his cap. It's better than and sure Oakland enough, A's. I called him. He's wearing a Steelers lid. Better than an Oakland A's. Is there a way to get him on? Damn straight there is. Because we have to ask him, as, as one of my other Twitter followers suggested, we have to ask him if he remembers saying he must kill the queen. That's right. Ah, great. In a stupor. In a, in a, the naked gun. Yes, in a hypno, hypnotic stage in Dodger Stadium. Wow. Trying to kill the queen, brought to the game by Ricardo Montalban. <laughs> and saved by Enrico Palazzo. Come on. Are we allowed to mention the other famous athlete in that movie? Uh, OJ? <laughs> Nordberg? Frank J- Nordberg. Jay Johnstone? Frank Drebin. Who was in that as well? Oh man! Oh yeah, the and if you remember the, I, I think the the famed murderers row of announcers that they had calling the game was Mel Allen, Dick Dick Enberg. I think Dick Vitale was in the booth. They were all calling the game. I think McCarver was up there. Come on, McCarver was definitely in that. Oh yeah, I must kill the queen. Well, anyway, we're totally sidetracked. How can people be this year's Andrew <laughs> Sidebottom? Uh, yeah, la- actually, last year we, what we did was. Um, 
just tweet us with the hashtag or tweet me if you want uh, with the hashtag REP mock draft. Uh, you have to be in the New York area. We're obviously not traveling yeah. anyone in. You have to be available. Uh, we're going to do rehearsals. You have to be of a certain age too, right? Yeah, you got to be 18 or older. Okay. Um, and then uh, you have to have your calendar free for about four hours, but you'll get to come to the league headquarters. What uh, day would they need to have the calendar free? Monday, May 5th, we okay. do the rehearsal. Uh, approximate time is going to be about noon to 3 o'clock, um, but you'll get to see the officiating command center. Um, last year, Rich was in the building. So Are you eligible to do it if you did it last year? Um. Can you be? Can can you? Can I you think, be? Um, is there a legacy? Can you be a? This is a good question. Can you question. be a legacy? <laughs> this is a good question. What, what are your can, thoughts? Can you go? Can you go is back it, to back side bottom? Is it Delta House? Is this like Delta House, Rich? <laughs> Law? It's it's that's your call. What do you? It's think? not this my is, call. This, this is, is your podcast. Your, this is your mock draft. I was quite pleased with the the eight stand-ins we had last year. So if they're still in the New York area and wanna wanna come on, you know, tweet us. I I think I did it. I did podcast roulette last year okay and just picked eight at random that way it wasn't there was no favoritism nothing like that i might have picked the side bottom out of the hat <laughs> yeah well speaking of which i just pulled this up uh, you might hear an outlook go off but this is you working side bottom in to the draft last year oh okay uh, nice of, i forgot i did this that. was your out bump <laughs> and you worked in smorgasbord what an idiot right. and side bottom <laughs> looks like the 49ers have picked up they've had a smorgasbord of picks the San Francisco 49ers and they have now apparently traded up uh, to select another player as the two quarterbacks Matt Barkley and Ryan Nassib are in danger of hitting side bottom Matt Barkley and Ryan Nassib as we are through hopefully uh, we'll be hitting side bottom I might have I might have I might have Throwing myself off my game. Trying to get both of those By in. trying to get side bottom. That just shows you, you just got to pace yourself when you're side bottoming. This was back when, uh, <laughs> actually, that, and, this this was be, and this was before DP had you got, had you work in phrases oh, into the Thursday oh, pregame show, that, too, that, though. Let me tell you something. This is not my first rodeo, and Dan and I have been working stuff in, not only for each other, but for our friends since... Bill Clinton was in office, and for Dan, I'm sure it was way before that. This is a time-honored tradition. <laughs> it's almost better when it's not public knowledge, and it's you and a couple of your boys know, and you're just doing it for jokes. them. That's inside the best. Jokes. That's always the best. So good. But uh, yeah, tweet us with the REP mock draft, okay. and uh, you got to be in New York, and you got to be committed to come because we will need you if you're doing it. So it'll be fun though. And when you watch the show, the show airs Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern NFL Network. It's a 90-minute show. So it's fun. It's When Brian Billick has the first pick. Brian Billick picks number one. Marshall, Marshall Falk, Falk, number two, two. And then I select Johnny Manziel. Number three. As your Jacksonville Jaguar. I'm gonna need, first round choice. I'm going to need about a 30-second lead-up to your pick, though, Rich, to make sure we get everything worked in. You gotta, <laughs> oh, no. I, I'm going to. Dude, I, I will, I'll put lipstick on the pick. Okay. All right. I know how to. I know how to. Filibuster. Filibuster. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Yeah. I got you seated. Uh, you're next to Charles. Yeah, you're in between Charles and Marshall. Too much there. information. Too no. much information. Too much information, no. I just, no. You just want to show up? What's Melissa Stark's role going to be? Uh, M- Melissa, I think, might might be a phone-a-friend in for Mooch. M- M- what Mooch does that mean? M- Mooch might get some advice from her. Um, her schedule. She'll be on the phone. So he can't. She'll be on the phone. No, no, no. She'll 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 pop in. She'll, she's going to be there for a meeting. You guys have a big production meeting uh, for draft that Charlie Uke uh, runs. Right, immediately follow. Let me tell you my philosophy on this draft meeting. (laughs) Here's my people ask me, How do I prepare for the draft? 
I say there's two things. Number one is I just do my my general job. Back when I was doing total access every day, it was also a lot easier. But you know, I'm every day I'm reading stuff, I'm looking at stuff, I'm, I'm doing radio interviews or whatever. This podcast, clearly, yes. all right. So I, I'm I'm well versed on that. I, I I call the combine every single minute of the combine. I see every single kid at the combine with my own two eyes. I watch college football on Saturdays. I'm I'm as prepared in that regard as I possibly can. I get great stuff from the research department that I I pound that that book the minute they give it to me, which I think I should Friday. probably get it this coming this Friday, You're right? Getting it this Friday. Okay. Yeah. So that gives me darn near a week and a half to to absorb it. That's one thing. Number two is I concern myself greatly and pray every night for the health of Mike Mayock. <laughs> Those are my two ways that I prepare for this draft. Okay? Smart. Have you ever seen The Sting? You, ever, you guys never saw The Sting, right? You know what? That was actually on this weekend, mm-hmm. and I DVR'd it, but I had missed, ah, the, first ten, I had missed the first 10 minutes. Is that Gene so, Hackman? Uh, I, I have not seen can it. I, can I watch it? I, I still have it on, but can I miss no, the, the first, first 10 minutes? No, the first 10 minutes really sets okay, it up. Okay, so I, I need to. So go, go ahead and do it again. Right. Uh, uh, it's Paul Newman Paul and Newman. Robert Redford. That's your Redford. favorite movie, right? It is, number one, all time. Oh, okay. Right. Where the, I'm not going to tell too many tales out of school to people who haven't seen it, but Robert Redford plays a character, Johnny Hooker, and Paul Newman is Henry Gondorf. And... Johnny Hooker's a, a younger guy, and Gondorf's the old hand, but they need the younger guy to help pull off the sting that they're trying to pull off on the Robert Shaw character. Okay. And Gondorf has somebody looking after Johnny Hooker. And that person who's looking after him, the day of the sting, walks in to the site of the sting. And when Paul Newman, Henry Gondorf, sees that guy, he gets all nervous because. Why are you here? You're supposed to be looking after Johnny Hooker. And then Johnny Hooker walks in behind him. And the look of relief on Henry Gondorf's face is palpable because Hooker's there for the big day, for the sting. That's the look on my face that I have when Mike Mayock walks through the door of Radio City Music Hall (laughs) on the first day of the draft. He's a beast. Okay? So meeting or not, it's gonna. It, the, I'll tell you how the meeting's gonna go. Meeting's gonna go. This is what we need to do. This is where you have to be at this certain time. This is where the show is gonna begin. All that information that we get, and then it's gonna be, Mike. What do you think's gonna happen? Mike will talk for ten or fifteen minutes. Charles Davis will give his two cents. Daniel Jeremiah will give his two cents. Brian Billick will give his two cents. Mooch will take off his glasses and start telling about the moment that Matt Millen screwed him over. No, but he'll tell a Brett Favre story. I've seen, I've seen, I've seen these all of these things, and we're going to kick the ideas around. We're going to get the juices flowing, which is clearly what the producers want, and because, and then we'll go down the rundown of what the pre-show is going to be, and then when the Texans are put on the clock, it's go time. It's go time. Yeah, and you just have to read and react. And that's part of that's that's some of the best stuff about the draft is the reactions to what's happening. The natural reactions. That's gonna be that's gonna be it's so uh, good. That's all. Man, I can't. I mean, is it really two weeks? It's sixteen days 16 from this days. taping. Mayock and Saget. We got to get Mayock on that show. Yeah, he's trying. I know. He's visiting I know. Seven teams next week before the draft. Like that's that's what he, he does. He is so. 
prepared. The good news is, Rich, there will be no sitting around for the filming of Draft Day this year. And uh, <laughs> backlash. <laughs> from, like how, how embarrassed was I? <laughs> That was, when he brought that was pretty that funny. You, your chair went back. Your head went down to the table. It was great. Uh, he, he brought it up in a fun way, too. That was fun. <laughs> Not my finest moment. Uh, Not my finest moment. I'll be honest. All right. I want to thank uh, Les Sneed, uh, Artist Twyman of the uh, Rams, helping with that. And, of course, always enjoy hearing from Kara Henderson Sneed to give me a little uh, idea. Insight. Yeah. Oh yeah. Always got to hear from the spouse. Oh yeah, you have to. I mean, he was talking Duke up, Duke football. I know. Cliff um, and want to thank uh, uh, Stacy Garcia for getting uh, Larry on the horn. Yes. And go to LarryFitzgerald.com for more information if you are in the Scottsdale area. You want to take part in this uh, charity uh, softball extravaganza? Bob Saget. Next week, we're hoping to pair him up. With Mike Mayock. So good. Not in the same studio at the same time. That that would be... Combustible. Explosive. <laughs> that would be great. Holy cow. Would it? I don't know. Mike, oh, Mike, Mike might... <laughs> it would definitely not be great. It would not end well, I don't think. <laughs> Mike would just be like, what is going on? <laughs> International shout-out, Rich. Yes. Uh, Daryl oh, Cooling. We haven't done one in a while. Daryl Cooling, I figured this was appropriate. He says, loving the podcast. Getting us through this long off-season. Think it's time for an Australian shout-out. Thanks, Daryl. Appreciate it. And guess what? Oh. Just as we're getting to close the podcast, we get the information in. The confirmation's here? It's on. Schedule release Wednesday, there 8 p.m. Eastern on NFL Network. Three hours of you hosting? In a beard. Quick prediction. Beard. Predi- quick prediction. Thursday night kickoff. Who is it? Uh, Packers at Seahawks. Packers Seahawks. Do you think? Uh, the I, I, I don't think there's any Nine, doubt. Niners Seahawks. You cannot serve the filet mignon. Yeah. As the appetizer. What you cannot. The- you cannot do it. Broncos Seahawks because rematch. because because NBC is going to get one of those on a Sunday night, and right. Fox is going to get the other one. Any chance that you get cold feet and shave the beard before no. the show? No. It's Any chance happening. Susie talks you out of the beard? The reason why the beard still exists is because my wife likes it. Nice. Beards Let's are not in. kid one another. Beards are in. All right. So we didn't close the show and then have our schedule shenanigans <laughs> dated. We actually got to sneak this one in. So the schedule show is on. Excellent. For, uh, tomor- for, for tomorrow night. Wednesday, 23rd of April, we will find out. But that is my prediction. Because they're not going to put Denver at Seattle after how poorly that Super Bowl was contested. They they're play, not going to start that one that way. Too. Not going to do that. That reeks of a week eight, week nine. Yeah. My prediction for the first Sunday night NBC game, I think they can't resist putting Peyton Manning on Sunday night to start. Yeah. And I don't know if they'll go division. I would say Chargers, Chiefs. Uh, I'm going to go, uh, I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, does Indianapolis go there? That's what I'm trying to see right They now. definitely play each other because they the both home. finish first. Right. If Indy goes to Denver, that's my prediction. Luck at Manning, first Sunday night of the year. Ooh. That's a nice, juicy, fat Sunday night steak. And Aaron Rodgers and the Packers at Seattle to kick it off. That's going to be my prediction. Because I think the NFC East goes there, too. You could send the Cowboys there. That could start it off. Yeah. 
definitely that game 51-48 last year, right? Highest scoring game of the season. Well, against Denver. Yeah, it's Denver. No, no, it's Seattle. No, oh, but we're talking about Super Bowl. Talking about Thursday. You could say I think Dallas goes there. The Giants—they're not going to stick the Giants, and that, that was one of the worst games of the year last year. Oh. Was when Seattle just absolutely—that—that that was what they put up a stat. I think at halftime of the Super Bowl, what the what Seattle was in its previous six quarters at MetLife Stadium, it was a it boat raced a boat race term. <laughs> Do we know if Indianapolis is going there or not? I'm trying to find the uh, home home oh, versus road come schedule. Come on, right I've, I can do that in two seconds. <laughs> Broncos 2014 schedule opponents. Here we go. Future opponents. Opponents finalized. Here we go. The Broncos are uh, the Broncos have the Colts at home. They got the Niners at home too. Harbaugh at Denver wouldn't be a bad way to start it also. Save that other one for a little later on. Save, but the Colts? save the Colts for a little later on. I don't know. On. I think Luck, Luck and Manning starting off on a Sunday night is going to be too much for, for the league to resist. With the Cowboys on Thursday? Wow, ratings. Unbelievable. All right, boys. Let's it's it. on. Let's do it. Two weeks, Rich. Only, uh, I think we're Finally. Like a, wait, we got something to talk about. We're like 140 days from the playing season. Let's talk about more about your bowling mishaps after eating sausage. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. What's more interesting? <laughs> we'll stick to football. All right. At Chris Law, at Chris Brockman, I'm at Rich Eisen for At The Eisen Podcast. Peace out. Here we go. Stay listening, new friends.